0: to create avenues and pathways to move us beyond what our dreams, our thoughts are into places that you have already set for us. Divine appointments, divine meetings being set up even now to create change and influence. For our day, we thank you, Lord. We praise you. Holy Spirit, work a work in lives to deliver the captive, to heal sickness and disease. Let there be a move and a wave of healing like we've not seen in decades upon people. For where fear has come, where an idea of a pandemic where there is no help grips people's hearts, I thank you that you are the great physician and the healer. There would be a wave of your healing and a confidence in your people of your healing power like never before. That we might not only receive it, but we might transmit it to others as you declare. Laying hands on the sick and the sick recovering. Thank you for delivery for those who have been captive. Restoration for the broken. That truly, God, your will might be done right here in our lives, right here in New Creation Church, right here on earth as it is in heaven. So we give you all the glory and the honor and the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good evening, church. How are you? Good. Praise the Lord. What a great day. Amen? What a great day. Why don't you give our worship team a hand? Just praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How many of you youth are ready for the encounter this week? Signed up. You all are going to have an awesome time. Encounters with God uh, Matt's coming in this weekend, and so prepare yourself. I know you're supposed to be signed up, but uh, even this week, begin to ask uh, fellow students to come. It's going to be a great weekend. You won't regret coming, and so we're, we're excited for you. Aren't you excited for them? Yeah. Praise the Lord what God's going to do. You can be dismissed to your session right now. Praise the Lord. Give them a hand as they go, and greet three or four people around you. Tell them that you're glad that they're here. Praise the Lord. Welcome to Sunday evening service here at New Creation Church. I want to welcome everybody who's joining us uh, live stream. Thanks for being with us. Uh, I want to remind you of a couple things. Next Saturday night, everybody say Saturday night. Next Saturday night, 6 o'clock, Tony Cook's going to be with us. He's going to be sharing two sessions about miracles and the supernatural throughout church history. As a book, he's going to share. Two sessions with us on that. And then next Sunday uh, morning, 8.30 and 10.30, he's going to be with us. He won't be with us next Sunday night. And so you want to get in on the morning services um, for that. And then, uh, again, to remind you that uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning at 8 a.m., uh, we're in here uh, praying, continuing to pray, and uh, really uh, ask God to lead us in prayer and what we uh, do. Praise the Lord. You know, as we were singing there and worshiping God, Uh, You know, we we prayed this, but God's enthroned on praises. Sometimes the enemy just tries to get us caught up in looking around and complaining and woe is us. That's where the enemy gets enthroned and begins to rule and manipulate and move situations. But when we give him praise, even in the midst of difficulties, he comes in and he's enthroned, the Bible says, on those praises, which means we praise him in the midst of a bad situation. Sometimes we think, why would I praise him? My situation's bad. Well, that's exactly why we praise him. (laughs) When the situation's bad, we need someone who has the power to change it, to be exalted, to be loosed, basically, into that situation. So when we praise him, and then, you know, as Jonathan began to sing, Paul said, this is something that happens, man, that prayeth in an unknown tongue. uh, His spirit prayeth. Jesus said, those who worship me would worship in spirit and in truth. And so as he began to worship, the Bible says that we Uh, uh, pray in the spirit, we pray in our understanding also. We sing in the spirit, we sing in the understanding also. There's something when you open up and release uh, from your spirit by the spirit of God, praise in that way. It's a high level of praise uh, because you don't exactly know, but God does how you're entering in and putting that uh, uh, place. So, uh, you know, just remember that when you're going and that starts to, to come up on the inside of you, just let it loose. Um... And uh, sing, you know, you might not have a great voice, but there's something that God gives you even in singing in the spirit. You say, well, he has a good voice. I don't, uh, you know, there's a great filter in heaven. <laughs> Amen. Whatever your, your genre is, uh, you know, you can be, sound like an opera singer to God or a rock star or whatever you want to be because there's a great filter in heaven, because God doesn't hear your natural voice. He hears your heart. But you can't just be silent and say, well, he hears my heart. You have to open your mouth to release what's in your heart, right? And so sometimes, we, well, it's just private. I'm just worshiping in my heart. Well, we don't see much of that. It says if it's in your heart, it comes out your mouth. And it's a high form of praise. Amen. If you weren't here this morning, you weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, we want um, to give you the opportunity to give. And so if you're making a check, make it out to New Creation Church. You can give by cash or debit or credit card. On a tax receipt for giving, raise your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope. And uh, if you're giving by text, you can uh, give by that number right there. We're so thankful, as Alan continues to say, for your generosity, what God is doing, uh, and, and things that are going on uh, even in all the world Here and so, to ministries around the world, um, uh, uh, missions, ministries, um, having books published, uh, reaching out to leaders around the world, um, we were able to give over four hundred thousand dollars to missions in uh, 2020. What what year is it? 2021, right? Amen. Praise the Lord. And so you all are generous into all the world. Lives are being affected. Uh, Lives are being changed through resources, through ministries, through missionaries throughout the world. Amen? And so, you know, we couldn't do it just one or two, but collectively, amen, we can help and have an impact. See, sometimes people say, well, you all are just about money over there. You know, you're just about getting it. No, we're about giving it. When you have resources, God continues to bless so that the gospel can go into all the world. And so, you know, our goal is just to be able to give a million dollars to missions at some point. Amen? Well, it has to come through you. It has to come through me. God just wants uh, to bless. But I thought it would be good for you to know that. Amen? It's not just all staying local. It's going into all the world. And, uh, you know, sometime if you're ever at the offices, you can look at some of the plaques that they've sent us. But we've uh, we've sent probably now hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of resources from Messenger International into places like Iraq, Iran, Russia. Amen? uh, Nepal we got into you know we 're connected with Tony there, so we thought man if they if they translate into nepali uh, john 's books, and so we got into uh, the translations into Nepali we 've helped uh, um, uh, Mark Hankins get books translated and into leaders hands in Nepal and different nations of the world uh, uh, um, Grunwalds we helped them get Brother Hagan's books translated and sent out over the years. So there's d- different things going into leaders' hands. We always believe uh, certainly to affect people's lives. We 've helped people who are, who, who are helping people on the ground. but to, you know when you begin to affect leaders' lives, you begin to really exponentially affect the people that they're leading. And so uh, you guys have done just an awesome job. If that sounds like a big figure to you, don't be shocked by it because God's going to do much, much more. Amen. Amen. He's going to do much, much more. And it's because everybody doing their part, everybody here doing their part. And so, you know, just for some reason, I thought, well, it'd be good to let you all know, uh, you know, sometimes we talk about offerings. You may wonder, you know, it goes a number of different places, but uh, I was looking at that at the end of this year. Uh, Super pleased at what we've been able uh, to do and what we've been able to give. Amen? And so you're a part of that. And when ministers come in that have been in different parts of the world, and they say, you had a part in that. They're talking about that. And so some of you give to our missionaries. That comes right through here. If you don't give to their ministry, it goes right to them. Uh, That's not even part of what we're talking about. That's yours. It goes to them through us, uh, but we continue to give as a church and a body of believers. Amen? So we're thankful for your generosity, what it does, not only locally and what we're able to do through the ministering to the youth, the children. Uh, uh, We're getting back into the nursing homes. After COVID, we were shut out, getting back into ministering in the nursing homes. At some point, we'll be back in the jail. You know, There's just things that are gearing back up in ministries to our community, but also in our region. We have the churches that we planted into the nations of the world, so uh, we're endeavoring to do Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, and in different ways, different facets, um, uh, to do that, not just in ministry, not just in Bible schools, but helping people, helping at the nursing home, things like that, and so couldn't do it without you and your generosity, and so we're believing that this will be your best year that you've ever had, uh, that it comes upon you uh, in so many different ways, amen, we're ready, Father, we thank you, we praise you, we magnify and glorify you. For all that you're doing, all that you'll continue to do, Father, we thank you for generous givers. You said you love a prompt to do it, hilarious, happy giver. Thank you. We have a group of happy givers, God, because their heart is connected to you. It's not connected to those things, but it's connected to you. You're able to to bring it to them, move it through them that others might be blessed. And so we command the blessings of the Word of God upon them to increase, to overtake them, as they serve you in every way, as they have an open heart to be generous, not just with finances, but generous with everything that you have poured into our lives, that we might give it to others, that they might see your goodness reflected in and through our lives. So we thank you for blessing them in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and pass those buckets. Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles with me to Romans, the second chapter. Romans, the second chapter. On Sunday night, we have uh, began to just take a journey through Rome, uh, uh, or Romans, the book of Romans. Romans is a a, a letter written to a local church body. You know, we think internationally, but when you look at the epistles that were written that we read about, they were recorded and they were moved around through different churches, but they were written to local churches like this one, right? So if we were to go away and there was a revelation and Paul was here and he had established this church, he might go away and uh, from jail write a church, uh, uh, write a letter to New Creation Church in Glenwood Springs. It might be the epistle to Glenwood. Right, And so if we got that, we might say, man, this is awesome. We'll, we'll give it to another church in Glenwood. But sometimes we just think, well, no, it's not about that. Well, God loves the church. He's establishing the church as a whole, but he established, and we see local churches. And so this is a setting, certainly the, the, the culture of the day spread out through that region, but he's, he's addressing them with the gospel concerning things that have to do with their locale. And so it it, it spread through different areas, even into Asia, what he was talking about, Rome. And so, uh, you know, even though we see Paul say the same thing in different ways, he's saying that because he's talking to them in some ways about their specific situation. But because the word is eternal, it's God breathed, it carries to any place, at any time, at any culture, it's eternal The Word of God. And so what we can see is man is the same. We may say, you know, well, it's so much more difficult now than it used to be. But man is still the same, right? So, uh, um, you know, well, it's so much harder to get people interested because, you know, we have television. Well, yeah, but we don't have... You know, we don't have the the Colosseum or we don't have to, you know, we don't have people that are are bound in slave labor uh, through Roman masters. I mean, there's always something and some reason why maybe we can't do what God's called us to do or the persecution that comes. From a culture. And so, as we read it, because people are the same, because the enemy is the same. His strategies are the same. Sin is the same. Sin affects people. The enemy still is coming to kill, steal, and destroy. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He wants to save people that they might have life and have life everlasting. They might have an abundance of life. They might have strength. They might have joy. They might have a boldness to share that life, that strength, and that joy with people who the enemy is killing, stealing and destroying their life. It's just, you know, it's fairly simple if we don't complicate it. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I know you're all like, well, my life's not simple. Well, we complicate it. And the enemy complicates it. And God wants to really not complicate it, but simplify it, right? And so... Yeah, I mean, the application of things is much harder when you're challenged with it, right? It's one thing to talk about, man, I'm going to be a great husband. I've read the Word. I know how I'm going to build my wife up and speak to her and talk to her when you're single. (laughs) But when you're married and you have a few challenges, you have to remind yourself (laughs) and discipline yourself to say the right thing, right? So it's one thing to sit and say, wow, I got that. It's another thing, right? And So we say that complicates it, but it doesn't really complicate it because if you train yourself to say the right things and to treat your wife right, then marriage starts to develop and be what God has designed for it to be rather than just thinking it and when it's not what you expected, giving up. So Christian life, we can think it's all... Great, and in church and where everybody is, but the application, that makes it so difficult. Well, not really. God has these principles that are eternal and they're perfect. And he says, if you'll apply them, Yeah, it may seem difficult, but as you keep applying them, it'll develop and it'll cause things to grow and be strengthened. And now we begin to see as our faith grows, because we've seen it work time and time again, we're stronger in faith. We're able to tackle things that five years ago maybe would have knocked us off course, but now we're like, this isn't so bad. But then all of a sudden you look at it and you're like, wow. This is a lot bigger than I thought it was. right? But because my faith has grown, my faith in God See, when we don't have much faith in God, we look at a situation and we're like, my God, how am I ever going to deal with this situation? I'm I'm done. This is too big. But as you develop faith in God, that same kind of situation, you're like, "This, this would overtake me, but I'm not trusting in me. I'm not trusting in my own ability, but I put my trust in him. And it's not by my might or by my power, but it's by my believing in what the Spirit of God will lead me to do, empower me to do, guide me to do, that will cause me to be an overcomer, amen? And so what Paul writes here to the Roman church, we can glean from it, we can can begin to learn from it as a local church and churches throughout as they study these things. And so we're taking some time with this, and we looked at uh, Romans chapter 1, and really he talks about, he begins to talk about Uh, the joy that he has and the hope that he has of getting with them because there's something when we come together about the mutual building up of our faith, the mutual building up of our faith. And though, you know, we may have a guest minister come in, that would be like, you know, if we had the Apostle Paul, we had him to come, he would probably speak at the church that's Rome, share revelation with them. But he said, as I share that revelation, I see what our relationship has developed. You're going to encourage me and my faith To go and share with someone else, but hopefully the word that I bring encourages your faith and there's a mutual building up. Even as it should be within the local church body, not comparing ourselves by ourselves, but looking and encouraging one another in our faith, helping one another in that way. And in helping one another, what we don't like is, you know, sometimes there's a, the ability to help, to correct, to, to rebuke when things are going on, to, to build one another up. And we don't like to hear that. And even right now, you can feel like there's a sagging going on when you talk about, we just want to build people up. But sometimes you, you develop a strength of relationship to bring faith, to help people get on the right track and not just go their own way, as we talked about this morning, but be able to turn To him and allow that faith in him to really grow and build that. And so he started to talk about the power of God and the the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's not ashamed of the gospel. And we covered that first session about why people would be ashamed of the gospel. And uh, uh, we covered that, but we're not ashamed of the gospel. Then last week we started talking about how he started to go into the culture and how people may go and think, you know, they may know God. But he said, listen, every single person is without excuse because God created the heavens and the earth. And all you have to do is look around you and know that there's a God. You really have to work hard, he said, by, by, by looking around you and saying there is no God. And we just use some, some examples about you know, how this creation and how the universe is expanding and, and how you're spinning right now at about 1,000 miles an hour, but you don't even feel it. And we're moving through the atmosphere at, what, 83, 84,300 or something like that, miles per hour. We're moving through the atmosphere, and you feel like you're standing still. Now, how does that work without us spinning off and flying into the atmosphere? God did it. You didn't figure it out. You still can't figure it out. Scientists still can't figure it out. With our technology, they're going farther and farther. They're looking farther and farther into the universe. And even scientists are starting to say, this is bigger than we ever thought it was. There is something bigger than us. This didn't happen from a salamander coming out of the water somewhere. This didn't happen by some light going... How there's something bigger because this thing is so unique, it's so fit together, it's so complex, but fit together so easily that only someone smarter than us, brighter than us, more powerful than us could be the source of all this. But he says, even though people look up and know that, they've decided to not retain him in their thinking. He's trying to explain to them, this is why this is going on around you. As a church, as again, we've said this before, the the church at Rome wasn't raised up in a democracy. They didn't have a vote. They were brought up under the Roman Empire. We get a little, you know, Twitter-pated about, you know, what's going on around us. But the very church wasn't raising up in a democracy with a voice. They were trying to be squelched. And he's saying, listen, the reason that everybody's doing this around you and what's going on around you and what you're raising up out of is because people, they know there's a God. But they refuse to retain him in their thinking. And because they refuse to seek him and retain him in their thinking, they know there's a God. They look out and know there's a God. They've decided to take the creature and worship that. They've decided to say, you know what? Let's, uh, there's a God out there, but we don't know who he is. We know he's bigger than us. So, and that intimidates us a little bit. So let's go ahead and carve something with our own hand and call it our God. Which, if you think about it for a minute, is just insane. To worship something that you were able to create and call that your God. And he said they began to form images of the creatures, the reptiles, the things, and call them God, and they began to worship the creature rather than the creator, And says, the moment you begin to worship and, and, and put your investment and your value in things that have been created instead of the creator, you run the risk of falling into all kinds of immorality. And thinking themselves wise, they became fools. And he's warning them. He's saying, this is why this is all happening around you. Be careful as you come out not as, as believers and trusting in God that you don't fall back. And so he goes in and he begins to talk about different things, how men gave themselves over in vile passions with other men, women with women. And we go, oh. but he didn't stop there. He went all the way to gossip. Right? He went all the way to gossip and he lumped them all together. And so, you know, we, we talked about this. We like to say, oh, that one over there and this one. But God didn't really classify them. He lumped them all together. And he said, uh, you know what? We all need to take stock and look and see what is God speaking to us, not leave the door open in that way. And so we, we really launch into this here in Romans chapter 2. And I'm going to read these first verses. Uh, A few sets of verses out of the NLT. I like the way that it says it here. He says, verse 1, he says, you may think you can condemn such people. In other words, going back to uh, sexual immorality, homosexuality, uh, but all the way to gossip and say, you know, you think you might be able to condemn such people, but you are just as bad. And you have no excuse when you say they are wicked and and should be punished. You are condemning yourself, for you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same thing? Now I know we get our mind going, well, wait a minute now, I'm not doing the same thing. But that's why he put so many of those things together. But I would never, I would never enter into that sexual immorality. Do you know? Let me tell you who's in that sexual immorality. Let me just tell you what they're doing. Let me tell you how they're acting. And he said, you just connected yourself through gossip. (laughs) I would never. But you are. All right, come on, this is going to be a jumping and shouting night. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right, jump over to verse 17. I'm going to skip some on purpose. We'll come back. He said, you who call yourself Jews are relying on God's law. Now, we, we can translate this, and we can just talk about us, right? He's talking to the church at that point. There's many born-again believers. They, they were still coming up and, and, and relying. He says, you are Jews are relying on God's law And you boast about your special relationship with him. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. You boast about your relationship. You know what he wants. You know what is right because you have been taught his law. You are convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for people who are lost in darkness. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God. For you are certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge and truth. Right. Which is all true. He's moving to a point. He said, well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? (laughs) How? If you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? You say it's wrong to commit adultery, But do you commit adultery? See, I know the immediate response would be say, no. But Jesus lined that out. Right now, he's talking about to them. He's saying, you might not physically be doing these things. But a man or a woman who looks at a person and lusts in their heart after them, in their heart has committed adultery. He says, if you look at people who are outwardly physically doing something, But you say, do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry, but do you use items stolen from pagan temples? You're so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say that Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you so here he's talking to us about where he just came from and said there's all these manners of things that are going on because people allow themselves to have a lower way of thinking instead of acknowledging God as God and acknowledging God and what he does and what he's set up and really for us in the New Testament, who Jesus is and what Jesus has done to set us free that we truly might live in life. And we begin to judge others. We begin to uh, look at things for certain reasons. Turn over to Matthew chapter. 7 or actually turn over to uh, Luke chapter 6 first Luke the 6th chapter and the 37th verse Luke the 6th chapter and the 37th verse Luke says this judge not and you shall not be judged condemn not and you shall not be condemned forgive And you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Whew, we love that, man. When I give, it's gonna be given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And certainly in context, we look at that, but you know what? He's also saying if you don't forgive, unforgiveness comes back to you in the same measure. If you judge another and you're doing the same, it comes back to you in the same measure. He said, but we get to choose whether we're going to judge and condemn or whether we're going to give. And so whatever we give, it determines what's coming back to us. So I can be, you know, even in a marriage situation, I can be very critical of Tasha. I can be talking about what she needs to do better and do all that stuff. Or I can love her. I can compliment her. I can exhort her. Well, why would I want to do one? Because if the critical aspect, it's coming back to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. If I give her a hard time, it's coming back to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But if I compliment her, edify her, build her up, and she's strengthened, now she's strengthened enough that it's coming back to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I know we get to that point where we're around, you can't judge me. You just can't judge me. Well, there's so many people who say, you can't judge me. And again, the next, the next sentence out of their mouth is pointing at everybody that they have something an offense with and that they believe has done something wrong. So they talk about they're offended at the church that judged them, and immediately they flip and judge the church. It's better just to clear things out. As we'll look in just a moment, God's given us the ability, instead of always looking out here, to look in here. Now turn over to Matthew chapter 7 for a minute. Matthew, the 7th chapter. This is all good news. It's good news. God's preparing us for something. Greater. He's wanting us to get some things and begin to carry it through, not get thrown off. You know, as soon as you decide I'm going to do this, somebody, the chances of somebody by Wednesday coming, and you all of a sudden saying, well, Yeah, but them and them, and if they did this and they did that, and getting all, and all of a sudden getting off track. But if we don't, we just carry it through. We carry what we learn through. We break out. Then the devil's like, How am I going to attack them? I can't bring somebody against them. I can't get them to judge somebody. Man, they're just giving. They're they're looking at things. They're looking at it God's way. You know we begin to have victory after victory, instead of wondering how are we going to get through all of this, we would like, I know exactly how we're going to make it, how we're going to walk free, how we're going to overcome, and how we're going to minister to people around us, whether we have a pulpit or we don't have a pulpit, how do we minister to the people who are within our influence? Because actually God's given you a platform. But I want you to see it really understand so many times people come and say, you know what, I, I really have this stuff in my heart and, and, and I'm sharing it with people around me and so now could you give me a position? I'm like, well, wait a minute, Don't, didn't God give you a position? Well, yeah, but, and immediately if we're not careful, we devalue the people that God has actually put us there to minister to. And in doing that, we devalue the gift and the calling that God has given us By saying, I don't want to be here with these people. I want to be in a different setting that makes me feel better. But God says, I put you right there in that that bunch of cantankerous sinners for a reason. Because they need to know Jesus and you got a gift on the inside of you and I've given you a voice. And if you'll handle it right, I'll give you influence and you'll change a group of people. And when you're done changing them, I'll expand your influence. told this before, you know, a a young minister came to me and he said, listen, I see myself, uh, I'm so discouraged. I have this small church, and I see myself ministering to thousands. I see myself ministering in in places where there's thousands of people. What am I going to do? And I said, well, the first problem is, is you're looking over the head of your 30 people and totally devaluing them. Without ill motive, those 30 people are your way to your 1000 and if you can't put value on 30 you're really not putting any value on the thousand that you've seen yourself which will be your place of falling off because you put more value on you standing there with thousands around you than actually the thousands of people that you'll be ministering to whose lives being changed how do you know that because you're looking over the head of 30 to see you in the midst of thousands. This looks like nothing when that looks like I'm really something. And God says, right there before you are 30 valuable people that I put you there to change their life. Don't look past them to something that you think is greater. I remember calling out to God. You know, he, t- he, he told us, you know, have Sunday evening service. Everybody was quitting. In fact, we at New Creation Church quit having Sunday evening service. We began to pastor, and I was praying about what he wanted us to do. I said, I want you to have Sunday evening service. And so we had Sunday evening service, and we had like five people come. And that was a little discouraging. Five people, you know, on Sunday night. Doesn't seem worth it. But he said, if you'll value those five people like there's thousands, it'll grow. I've told this story before, but, you know, I used to drive by coming to Sunday evening service, and... Uh, the bayou used to be there on highway 6 and they they had you know uh, they had a deck on the outside so in the Good weather times, I'd be driving to church. There's just a few people there. And at the bayou, people are partying. The music's playing. They're so crowded in the bayou on Sunday evening. They're hanging off the deck. They've been partying. They're singing. They're, they're drunk. And I just said, this is just wrong. Something's wrong. The church is empty. The bayou's full. In the name of Jesus, I declare that the church is going to be full of people singing and praising God. And uh, before long, the church was packed on Sunday night. We were singing, praising, getting drunk, and the Holy Ghost Come on. But it just started with a few. He said, you can look past the few, or you can look exactly at the people that I put in your life and value them. Value them. Well, how am I going to value them? By looking at them correctly, not looking down, not making a judgment of them, except the judgment that Jesus Christ died for them, just like he died for you. Amen. All right. I'm getting off track a little bit. All right, if we're going to get done, I better get moving. Uh, So he says, this is as Matthew wrote, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look There's a plank in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove. Everybody say first remove. First remove. remove. This is a huge key when we're talking about judgment or really the, the idea to discern and make a judgment is simply to be able to be a help. Not to make you feel better about yourself, not to make me feel better about myself, but to really be able to help. So right here, Jesus didn't say you cannot make a judgment about someone. He just said, you'll never be able to make an accurate judgment that will put you in a position to help somebody as long as you got a log in your eye. If you fail to first make a judgment about your own heart and your own actions, you'll never be able to help someone else with their heart and their action. So he didn't say, you can't make a judgment. He just said, don't make a judgment without first putting yourself under that same microscope to make a judgment. Are you all with me? He said, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will clearly see to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Right? He said, first, then there's a clarity that comes. Because what is it? When you look at a brother, when I look at a brother, I'm not putting this on you. This is a painful lesson for her, some of us. Right? But uh, uh, I don't want to judge you. That's, it can be painful. But what's the problem? When I'm looking at Bucky and I just keep seeing, man, let me help you with that log. Let me help you with that log. Let me help you with that. Why am I seeing a log? Because I got a log. <laughs> So, so what's the problem? I'm trying to help him with something that is not his issue. It's my issue. Has God ever dealt with you about developing the love of God and then all of a sudden you see how everyone else is not walking in love? You start studying forgiveness and then you see how people don't forgive? Why? Because God's dealing with you to get that out of your life, but now that's all I see and I see it in others. But he says, as soon as you deal with that and get that out of your eye, you'll realize, oh, all that time I thought you had a log, you just have a speck. Can I help you with that little thing? Because I think I can help you because I've just finished removing a log. And I'm proficient at log removing, so a speck should really be nothing. But that's the problem. We have not become proficient at log removing. We think we are, but we keep pe- poking people in the eye that have a speck because they have a speck and we're trying to remove a log. But the log isn't theirs. The log is ours. All right, so let's just look at a few things. Why? Why? Why do we continually get to this point where we want to judge others? Right, and so don't don't just jump off and say, "Well, I don't judge others." Let's just look at this for a moment before we get there. Number one, pride. Pride. It's easier to look at somebody else and say, "You know what? You got some issues, and if I see your issues, um, boy, I'm probably the person that can really be able to do something because I'm not that quite that. I, I don't have those problems." Right. We have to be careful because pride cometh before a fall. Pride doesn't really allow us really to make that place. God resists the proud. He gives more grace to the humble. And so we have to really be watching pride and and really that place where we find out that we're really exalting ourselves above everybody else, making the judgment. Boy, I must be better. I must be better. If I can look at all your faults and not mine, I really feel quite good about myself. All these people got so many problems. Thank God I'm not like them. Puts us in an easy position to do that. Number two, number two, we use it to validate our own inadequacies. We use it to validate our own inadequacies. You know, like if you go over to a friend's house and you have your kids and then you go over there and they have their kids and, And, you know, uh, you spend the evening, you spend a few hours together, and then you're on your way home, you put the kids to bed, and you're like, dear God, honey, we thought our kids were bad. My God, our kids are angels compared to those devils running around that house. We immediately go, well, we weren't doing a great job of parenting, but now, boy, if we judge their parenting, we're pretty darn good. So we don't need to move any farther in making our parenting more excellent because we feel pretty good about ourselves now that we've seen somebody who's really doing a terrible job. When really they're not, everybody's kids are different and unique and they're trying to raise them and do that. Or, you know, you can go over and think I'm not very good at cleaning my house and you go over to somebody else's house and say, gee, whiz. (laughs) We thought we lived in some mess, but dear God. Huh? (laughs) I know, we're talking about somebody else, not you, but I'm just trying to help you (laughs) minister to others. (laughs) Come on, you see how subtle it is? The devil just helps you, and we're trying to say, you know what, and we've said this before, but if our Christian life gets boiled down to this, at least I'm not as bad as somebody else oh, my God, then our Christianity is not very strong. It's not going to minister to many people because I keep judging others to validate my inadequacies. They're my, yep, yep, I might not be perfect, but at least I'm not as bad as them. Well, that's just quitting on yourself. God wants to bring us to a higher place and not to validate our inadequacies But to be able to look and be able to judge our own hearts and get things out that we can really help people in their life. Number three, it's easier to find fault in others than ourselves. It's just a lot easier when, you know, I'm doing something wrong to find out that somebody else does something wrong too. We find solace in that kind of thing, and it's easier just to to be able to point out what everybody else is doing wrong than stop for a minute and examine my own heart and say, God, help me understand where I need to make corrections in my life, where I can best uh, make changes that will help me become all that you've called me to be so I can be a help to someone else. It's just easier to bypass that and see where everybody else needs help than where I need help. But no matter what, if you can look at the area, if I can look at the area and see where everybody else needs help, but never examine my own heart, how am I going to be able to help them? If my correction is removing a log, how am I ever going to be able to help somebody with a speck? So I need to be able to see what it is in my life that's hindering me so that I can get busy helping somebody else. Many times, number four. Many times we have false information. Many times we have false information. Right. Somebody comes and tells us about an automobile accident in Grand Junction. Well, this person, this person just ran a, a red light and endangered everybody. Were you there? Well, no, but I know somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who was there. Well, we're making a judgment about things. Right? You, you, if, you've, if you've really been in any position of leadership or anything, you know that. I mean, you know how, how, it, how it feels, the sense. You know, I've been judged by people. I've read things. People have written things to me about me, about how they feel about me, and they don't even know me. And you're like, wow, wow. You know, they, they, they tell you what your, your heart's desires, what your intention is, and you're like, wow, that wasn't my intention at all. And how do they even know? Except for they talked to somebody and got wrong information based on some. Well, that person knows you and they were there and they, well, yeah, but if they were affected wrongly, they don't know the intention of my heart. And sometimes we're getting to that place where we're getting right down to what somebody meant to do and we become very critical of that and it's all based on false information. We have to be very careful to not pick up somebody else's offense against someone because offenses, the Bible tells us that when you get bitter envy and you're a root of bitterness, it can defile many people. We have to be careful that we're not picking up false information and making judgments about others based on hearsay and not knowledge. But we tend to do that if we're not careful. Amen. Are you all still with me? And the last one. This is good. This is why we judge people. Just the last one. We'll move on. It says, we often think and believe the worst. We often think and believe the worst, right? Just the old, you know, proverbial story. Uh, as some the new believers on fire for God, and all of a sudden we drive up the road and we see them going into Doc Holidays. Oh God, they must be backslidden. Oh, oh God. And we start thinking, oh man, they're 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 back in sin. They're back in doing all that stuff. I saw them. I saw them going to Doc Holidays. Well, you know, you find out they went into Doc Holidays, met a friend, and shared Jesus with them. They got born again in Doc Holidays. Why do we get all thinking the worst instead of the best? Turn over First Corinthians chapter eleven. First Corinthians chapter eleven. We can examine those things in our own heart and in our own life. Praise the Lord. Now understand this that when we begin to examine our own heart, we're not looking Simply to go, man, I'm a good-for-nothing, worthless thing. How could God ever use me? Boy, now I start looking at that. I'm just dumpy. I can't do anything. Oh, man, I'm just a worm. No. that's not. Again, that's not prop- making the proper judgment. To begin to evaluate and to look into our own hearts because the Spirit of God lives in you. The Spirit of truth lives in you. That's why God put the Holy Spirit in you to say, listen, you have the ability with the Spirit of God to look at and to develop and understand the thoughts and the intents of your own heart so that you can look at that and understand what God is doing and what God wants to do and you can make the proper corrections and of your own free will you can lay aside the weight and the sin that besets you so you can run your race with patience and understand that because you're not looking at yourself as not able to do it but you're looking and saying, These were the things that were disabling me, and I'm laying them aside, and now I'm empowered and enabled by the Spirit of God to do something bigger and greater because I've judged myself rightly. Verse 31 of 1 Corinthians, he's talking about communion, and I'm kind of cutting in here, but this thought prevails throughout a number of different letters and scriptures. He said, If we would judge ourselves, We would not be judged. He said, but when we're judged, we're chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. He said, listen, when we allow the Lord to judge us, we're not judged by any other person. We understand that the Lord is correcting us so that we'll escape the judgment that comes upon the world and the condemnation so that we can live for God. And so this process of judging our own heart is the Lord coming and helping us correct situations in our own life. And he says, if we'll judge our own self, correct our own self, then we will not be judged by others. In fact, if somebody tried to judge you, you'd be ahead of of the game. Well, you know, you do and you do and you act and you do. And you say, I know. And I'm working hard to correct that and I'm working with God. Would you pray for me? (laughs) Instead of going, well, you don't know and get into this battle, just say, I've already judged that about myself. You can't condemn me Because Jesus has already bore that in my own life. Turn over to Galatians chapter 6. So what do we want to do? What do we want to do? We don't want to be that person who's walking and examining and trying to make ourselves feel better by judging someone else and their situation. And so, uh, really, Galatians, he tells us what we can be doing. He says, brethren, if a man or, or a person is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, how many of you are spiritual? Most of the time you want to be spiritual, but tonight I'm just gonna reserve the fact to not be spiritual. <laughs> Come on. This is this is incredibly important, right? Because of how we see spirituality. When there's a hookama shundi and I get to woo! Then I'm spiritual. But now I'm gonna help somebody caught in a fault. You who are spiritual. Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. He said, when we come in judging and saying, heard somebody say that John Maxwell said this. He said, of every minister that I've known that has fallen into immorality, he said there was one thing in common, that as they watch somebody else fall, They stood up and threw their chest back and said, I will never, I will never fall into that. He said, later they did. We restore with a spirit of gentleness and meekness, knowing that we're human, knowing that All those things could be false, not anticipating we're going to fall, but not standing up like it could never happen to us. But knowing and putting a guard around ourselves, putting a guard around our heart, putting good counsel around us, so knowing that as we help others, the enemy's going to attack us and we have good foundation, we've looked at our hearts, we've surrounded ourselves with good counsel so that we can again move on and help others and not fall into that. It says, verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, which is the law of love. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in others. For each one shall bear his own burden. You say, listen, it just said we're supposed to bear one another's burden, and then it says we're to bear our own burden. But again, he's talking about understanding that we're helping one another, that when we, when we don't look at everybody else's work, we look at what we're doing, we can rejoice in what God has done, and we've watched God help us carry it through. But if someone needs a hand up so that they can begin to work the work of God, then we help them up, not with judgment, but with humility and meekness so that they can continue to move on and move forward. Amen. So what do we want to do? Rather than being judgmental, what do we want to do? The first thing that we want to do is we want to remain humble and teachable. We want to remain humble and teachable. Certainly, if you're growing in God at this time, you know, you've, you've heard this said before. The more that I learn, the more, the more that I learn from Scripture, the more that I learn about what I don't know yet. The more I learn, the more I learn things I don't know. Boy, if you've got God captured, if you know it all. Uh, You're in trouble because God's way bigger than that. And so if we remain humble and teachable, God can always teach us things. He'll refine even things that you know. The word is living. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces. If we allow it, if we're humble and teachable, that word will pierce. At any given moment, God will bring a scripture to you that you think you know, and he'll bring it, open it up for the situation that you're in. And understand this, that what you do know is what God has to use to teach you. Thank God it's alive. There's things that you do know. You know, I've shared this before uh, uh, about forgiveness. But, you know, I, I was hung up uh, some years ago and, uh, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I guess, not some, I don't want to make it sound down the road. But, you know, I, I, God has dealt with me about love and forgiveness is a pretty constant thing. You'd think you'd grab a hold of it at some point. But there's always a challenge that comes from a different area. I don't know if that's happened to you, but it happens to me. Just when I think I got this captured, I got it wired, the enemy comes from a different area. He leaves for a while. You know, the Bible said he left Jesus until he found a more opportune time. And so I got all these relationships. I got this captured. I know how to walk in forgiveness, know how to walk in love. And all of a sudden, he opens a new door. There's new relationships, people with different personalities, and they act different. And so now all of a sudden, wow, what do I do with this? And so I'd gotten in a situation, and I had said in my, my, you know, my mind, I know what happened, I know, what ha- I, I know I picked up something, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. I forgive even as Christ has forgiven me, I forgive. But I was still locked up, and I was locked up for longer than I want to be locked up. So I was praying, I'm like, God, what's the deal here? I mean, I've done everything I know to do, what's the deal here? He said, well, I want you to turn over to Matthew chapter 6. Well, I knew where we were headed. Turn over to Matthew chapter 6. Now start reading the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be thy name. Uh, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. So, I know that. Read it again. Read it again. Read it again. All of a sudden, it started to stand out. Forgive our debts even as we forgive our debtors. Stood out. I'm like, hmm. Well, I've forgiven. Philippians chapter 4 says forgive even as Christ has forgiven you. So I'm just going over, well, I've forgiven. Forgive even as. So I'm like, what's the deal? So the Holy Spirit was like in me, he said, "Just slow down for a minute and I'll teach you something." So I'm like, okay. So he said, "You said you've forgiven them. How have you forgiven them? How long has it taken you?" So, well, I think I'm doing a good job at that." He said, "Do you want me to forgive you in the same way you've forgiven them? I went,
1: "Mm, no.
0: No, I want your forgiveness to be immediate, full, washed, forget, the same way you said. He said, read that again. Forgive me my debts even as I have forgiven others. See, one says, I'm forgiven like I think Jesus forgave me. I'm just kind of going over it. He said, this one, you need to focus because right now I want to set you free and set you on a course so you know how to walk not having anything against anybody. Because he said, every time you think of this, every time you want to pick up something that somebody's done, think about how you're going to hang on to that and if if you want me to hang on to yours. And I'm like... Not for a second. So when we humble ourselves, God can teach you something you think you already know. He can refine it and help you so that hopefully somewhere you can help someone else with that same revelation. So that's the first thing we want to do. Second thing, we want to listen and obey the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he'll have you. You know, you got upset with somebody, he'll have you just go ahead and do something good for them. Well, I don't want to do something good for them. I mean, that'll make me look like, uh, uh, you know, I- I'm down here and they're taking advantage. If I just do that, they'll just take advantage of it. But God can do so much if we just obey him. Just obey him, right? He wants us to obey him because he can utilize us to help others. And all of a sudden, you start to invest. Uh, your time your effort it's a little bit more difficult to be critical of what someone else is doing when you've invested your time and your life in them right so you know a church in town when we first started pastoring some people were going over to that church and it was easy to get you know uh, upset about that uh, um, get. Get into a place where, you know, it's like, what's going on here? What are they doing? Are they stealing sheep and all that stuff? And so through a process of time, they were in a situation where they needed some money for their building, uh-uh program. And I knew that just through the, you know, pastoral network and stuff like that. And so I'm praying, I'm praying about situations. I'm praying about people in the church. I'm praying all of a sudden comes out of inside of me. And we, you know, we weren't financially very well off at that time at all as a church. And he says, I want you to send a check for what was a large amount of money for us at the time. He said, I want you to send a check for that payment they have on their building. I'm like, you want me to send a check? These people have some of our people over at their church. You want me to send? He said, send a check. I'm like, yes, sir. And I found out later, you know, we sent that check. I ran into somebody in the grocery store. You Pastor Mark? Yep. I said, thank you. For what? Our pastor stood up and said, we're joined together with New Creation Church. They sent us, sewed into us to pay on our building. I went, hmm, now I see what you're doing. He said us we can't talk about others in the body of Christ. Even though people are doing things, we can't talk about that. God wants us to join. And when we begin to invest in others, I gotta keep moving, sorry. Gotta obey the Holy Spirit. Number three, we compare ourselves to Christ and not to others. Others aren't the standard that we live by, high standard or low standard. Jesus is our example. Jesus is our standard. We're looking and saying, how do I compare? How am I walking with the life that you gave me that looks like yours? How am I doing there? So we can judge our own heart. Number four, we believe the best, we speak the best, we think the best of others. That'll help us to stay out of that place of judging. Speak the best. Believe the best. Think the best of others. Number five. Make it our goal to restore. Make it our goal to restore. Come on, God's in the restoration business. So even in that place where we might be able to say, look at you, you're wrong, and bring a judgment. God doesn't want to bring that judgment. He wants to restore them. That's what he said. Our goal is to restore those who are trapped or caught in a fault. All right, back to Romans chapter 2. We'll close up with this tonight. Sorry we're taking so long. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. He's talking about them judging, or he says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads us to repentance? He said, When we begin to judge others and condemn others, he said, Look, at where we say that we live in the goodness of God. We live in the forgiveness of God. Thank God for the mercy of God in our life. He said, do you despise it? Then by thinking, others can't receive that same forgiveness, that same goodness into their life. The whole idea of staying away from that place of bringing condemnation and judgment upon others is so that God can restore them and show them his goodness through us, our ability to get the log out of our own eye to help somebody with a speck, to move them ahead, is so vital to how we're able to reach out and to minister to others. That people will look and say, I've had a great experience with Christians, not I don't want to become a Christian because I've met some and they don't live any different than we do. They point their finger at people, but they live no different. I want to become a Christian because I've seen Christians who aren't pointing the finger. Their life is being changed and they're helping others in the way that they should go. Amen? Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand up with me? Don't you love the book of Romans? Yeah. All right, three of you. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Come on, we just put this to practice. We'll be doers of the word, not hearers only. And when you look and see, oh, that person, you just stop and go, hey, you know what? God, I just believe you're working in their life. We begin to see the goodness of God at work. Amen, Father, we thank you, we praise you, we magnify you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. I thank you you're working in all of our hearts and lives. You're you're preparing us. You've crowned this year with your goodness. It's not going to be the same as things pass. Your paths that we walk in are dripping with abundance. I thank you as we come together. There's an anointing here and it's covering each one. That each one leaves with an anointing upon their life. That they begin to see the groups of people around them that you called them to and understand that they're anointed and empowered by God to minister to those situations. And in that, God, we're not looking to bring condemnation. We're looking to bring help and anointing to every situation that lives might be changed, they might be made whole. So help us, Holy Spirit, as we go from this place to see this year in a whole different light. What you're doing in us, what you've done for us, what you desire to do through us, that we might walk it out every day, carry it through to the end and see the promise that you promised us. Lives changed, harvest coming in, abundance in our life. Joy and peace, not only encompassing our life, but surrounding us everywhere we go, and the love of God consuming us and compelling us towards others. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Say this as we go, what God did in Christ Jesus? Far siege. siege. Any damage done to me? Amen. By Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great week.